Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we welcome back sponsor Nokia. Today we're going to get into optics, specifically Nokia's Photonic Service Engine or PSE Optics. The company has released version six of the PSEs, and we're going to talk about the growing challenges of moving more data farther and faster and what PSE 6 brings to the table. Our guest is Serge Mel, head of marketing for optics at Nokia. Serge, welcome to the podcast. So let's level set a bit. What are coherent optics and where do they fit into the networking space? Well, uh, coherent optics are really the engines that convert all the data that's being exchanged between users into digital that is in the form of digital bits, and it converts it into pulses of light that can then travel tens, hundreds, even thousands of kilometers uh, to get that information to where it's needed. So these are kind of like the SFPs that you might everybody might be familiar with in campus and enterprise. But they're radically different in the terms that the laser technology that's inside them is closer to magic than it is to anything else. Uh, it, exactly. It's a much more yeah. sophisticated technology than these FS, SFPs that typically yeah. connect just you know a few hundreds of meters or a kilometer or two. And mm. these um, convert the light uh, into uh, essentially highly modulated signals. And with mm. that, they're able to compensate for all of the various effects that uh, make it difficult to connect over long distances. And so yeah. coherent optics uh, really move the needle and enable uh, transmission of data over literally, you know, thousands of kilometers now. So let's just make sure we explain this clearly. Like a 100 gig optic in an enterprise sends 100 gig signal or one 400 gig signal or even an 800 gig signal. These coherent optics actually multiplex multiple 400s or multiple 800s onto a single cable, right? That's right. What we call super coherent optics are optimized for maximum capacity. And the PSE6 that you mentioned um, will mm. operate at 1.2 terabits of capacity per wavelength. So it's able to achieve much higher capacities and also do that over much longer distances uh, mm. than these enterprise campus optics. Now, you said per wavelength, and there are many wavelengths on a fiber. Now, some of those wavelengths depend on the fiber, depend on the quality of the fiber, the propagation characteristics. Some wavelengths will work and others won't, if I remember rightly. But you're still talking 12, 24, maybe even 48 channels on a single fiber. Uh, that's right. Um, so all these coherent optics emit their light pulses at a very specific uh, wavelength, and mm. that enables multiples of these coherent optics to be combined together, a technique that we call wavelength division multiplexing. And essentially, it gets uh, more total capacity through the fiber uh, with each channel operating on a different uh, frequency. Yeah, I just call that magic. <laughs> it, just yes, it, like, it, it can be. <laughs> every time I think like, you know, oh, here we are in the data center, we get really wound up when we have like, you know, a 48-port switch. But there are optical systems out there that do 48 cables or 48, you know, 100 gigs, 48, 200, whatever it is, on one cable. Now, of course, it's a special cable and they're mystic. The, the optic modules are special. We'll dig into them in a little bit. But I just wanted to sort of emphasize that this is not – you're, this isn't just a fiber optic SFP running on single mode. This is something just a lot different. I, That's so, right. And wh what's also different is who uses these coherent optics. So these SFPs often can be used by enterprises, you know, within their campus, within their building. Uh, typically, coherent optics are used by service providers, mobile network operators, cable companies, uh, web scale and internet exchange carriers. And they're the ones that yeah. essentially own the fiber pipes you know, between cities, within a city, and they carry much, much more capacity than an enterprise would within its uh, internal campus. What's the power profile on something like this? Am I consuming a lot more power than I would in a typical router? 
Well, the, the power keeps going down. So um, coherent optics are powered by digital signal processors, which is just a fancy name for a silicon integrated circuit. And each generation is able to take advantage of Moore's law, which typically both increases performance with each generation, but also reduces the power per bit. And so with the latest uh, sixth generation coherent optics, we're actually able to reduce the power per bit by about 40% from the prior generation. So you're getting the same capacity or more while using less power. And the power is super important in this case because these optical modules uh, quite often need a lot of equipment to feed the signal into them, but they also generate a lot of power in their own right. If you're gonna drive a signal for you know, 80 kilometers or into a thousand miles, even though there's repeaters in the circuit, you wanna launch that with the maximum possible strength. So they're actually using a lot of power. So a 40% reduction is significant. Yeah, and more and more service providers are paying real attention to their network power consumption. There's the obvious uh, monetization of that, that you know, energy costs uh, have been swinging pretty wildly these days, have been continuing to increase. So being able to use less power per bit uh, is a net bottom line saving, but it's also part of the sustainability objectives that more and more companies are adopting. Being able to operate their network sustainably, growing the capacity without having to uh, use more uh, energy in the process. So you mentioned service providers, telcos. What what are the common use cases for this kind of optic? Uh, typically, there's sort of a, a few use cases. One is interconnecting data centers to each other uh, in the metro or across you know longer distances in a region or across mm -hmm. the country. Uh, and this could be web scale and internet exchange companies, but also service providers are doing that uh, as well. And then service providers operate uh, both metro and national networks. They connect all of the you know residential and business users to their central offices. They connect cities to each other so that people can communicate uh, across the country. And they even uh, light undersea fiber cables to be able to transmit data uh, between continents. Uh, more and more, you know, we're exchanging data in a truly mm. global sense in terms of content, business information, mission critical information. And service providers essentially provide that plumbing or the information superhighways to use a bit of a data term uh, to, to provide that connectivity. I haven't heard information superhighway in a while, but yes. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going retro today. I guess from the point of view that if you're a long haul telco, the more data you can move over a cable, the more you can monetize. But at the same time, you've also got to feed data into these things. So increasingly we're talking about, yes, I can get, you know, 1.2 terabits or even up to 2.4 terabits per second out of these PSEs, you know, which gives me, you know, six by 400 gig or three by 800 gig. But the whole thing has to be part of a system. And that's where the power comes up. Or even if you're doing data center interconnect, you still got to plug them into devices. Do they go into routers today or do they still go into custom DWDM platforms? These um, super coherent optics optimized for high performance typically go into standalone optical transport systems. And the reason for that is that 
in order to fit an optic into a router, uh, you have to really reduce both the, the space size and the power significantly. And, and with that, it requires a lot of different compromises around the design, uh, mainly uh, giving you lower capacity and less distance. So for connecting cities to each other across a national footprint or a continental footprint, you really need these high performance optics that are deployed in standalone optical transport equipment. Right. And does this mean if I'm going from a previous version to a new version, is this something that I or a technician would swap them out myself or am I just going to, you know, buy a whole new device if I want to get the next gen? No, what's really important for service providers is they deploy the, you know, the chassis, the platforms that will host these optics. And they do that on a very large scale geographically and across many nodes. And with PSE 6, essentially it can upgrade the existing platforms that are out there. So it's just adding these new, more advanced cars into existing slots and then adding more chassis if needed um, without having to replace uh, the existing mm. infrastructure that's there. So that's that's part of the sustainability and operational benefits as well, is being able to introduce these new technologies into the existing infrastructure. And what about on the software side? Is this something I would run with a typical NOS or is there also a specialized software to run on this kind of platform? No specialized software. You know, you're managing the platforms with a typical network management system. Now, sort of a flip side to that, though, is that these coherent optics uh, provide rich telemetry. Essentially, they can sense what's happening within the fiber and where it's happening in the fiber. So there's these new management capabilities that are being enabled now by being able to access that data and using it to then troubleshoot uh, uh, sometimes what might be problems in the network. There might be a fiber that's flapping because it's improperly installed. There could be aerial fiber that's being degraded because of ice storms. Uh, there could be earthquakes or railroads that are disrupting traffic, um, you know, because of vibrations. And all of these can be sensed by these coherent optics. And then that management software can act on it. It can do uh, proactive restoration of traffic, moving it to a different route, or it can just give technicians the information needed to go on site and fix whatever problem is happening. How does it do that sensing? Uh, essentially, coherent modulation uses uh, a very high speed phase modulation of light. And by essentially uh, measuring when the light pulses are arriving with respect to each other mm -hmm. and knowing the speed of light and so on, you can localize where uh, these effects are happening. And you can also measure the magnitude of them by just how much they're affecting the signal. So it's pretty, as you were saying before, this is pretty magical stuff, <laughs> very complex algorithms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we've we've pretty much essentially with the PSE6, we're pretty much approaching the physical limits of what's possible in terms of uh, transmitting the maximum capacity over the, the longest distances possible. So we've pretty much reached what's called the Shannon limit, operating very close to it, and you just can't get any better than that. So, I mean, first of all, the idea that you can like shake a cable and detect if it's actually an earthquake and the size of the earthquake and whether you should start, that just feels like a high school project some sort of crazy idea from a D&D &D campaign <laughs> coming in and saying, you know, do you think we're going to shake up the light beams in there and can we detect it? Uh, that that just blows my mind sometimes. But the fact is you can actually use that to say, oh, there's a disaster happening in a given area and we should now start to plan a, a failover out of the affected area just because you can see that there's an earthquake. So is that what we're talking about? 
Yeah, that's right. And, you know, earthquakes are rare and they only happen in certain areas, but there could be effects such as construction that's happening along side where a fiber cable is deployed. And so mm. it can help uh, provide proactive warning that, hey, um, let's send a work crew out there to make sure that people don't accidentally cut the fiber or, you know, start planning to be able to restore things. Or, or it could be weather effects that are degrading the signal uh, and to prevent an outage um, until the weather, you know, conditions uh, have stopped, you can reroute the traffic around those areas where you're seeing degradations. So these are all different sort of use case examples for where this sensing capability uh, can add value to operators. And also you're, you can herd your fiber and from, protect it from a long-necked fiber eater you know, before it even happens, perhaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is <laughs> monitoring the system. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of like, you know, a digger coming in and getting close to your cable or maybe someone's putting a building in in an area and they're actually doing it close to or on top of your fiber. You would actually have some sort of insights into that. Um, I guess the flip side here is, can we use this stuff in data center interconnects? Is that a realistic, like having 2.4 terabits or 1.2 terabits, you know, as three by 400 gigs or something like that between data centers for data center interconnect might be a more effective way than running multiple fiber optic cables between. Is that something that enterprises can do? Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a couple of use cases around data center interconnect. So, for example, in the metro, um, a lot of, you know, web scale or internet exchange uh, operators might not have that many fibers. Uh, they're either leasing or, you know, they deployed fibers a while ago, but it wasn't in large quantities. And where these kinds of super coherent optics um, come in is they can significantly increase the ca- capacity of the fibers they have before they exhaust. So, for example, you mentioned, you know, pluggable optics like mm. 400 gig ZR. Well, with 400 gig ZR, you can get a maximum of about 19 terabits of capacity in the fiber. And then after that, if you're if that's your only fiber pair or, if, or it's your last fiber pair, you need mm. to either uh, lease more cables, which is very costly or even costlier is deploy new fiber cables. With PSE6, you can double the total capacity to 38 terabits per fiber. So essentially, it gives you more headroom uh, before you run out of capacity. And it also does this this thing where it can operate in the L band of the fiber in addition to the C band. So essentially, Mm -hmm. you can use twice as much of the fiber spectrum uh, versus 400ZR. So you can get into 76 terabits of fiber capacity before you exhaust. So for Metro DCI applications, you know, 100 kilometers or less, it's, it's mm. a really cost-effective, simple-to-deploy way to boost the fiber capacity in constraint scenarios um, and, and defer the very, um, you know, high cost of having to overbuild fiber. Overbuilding fiber isn't a cost, it's the time usually. Uh, it, it's it's both. It's, it's uh you know it's a civil works project of digging a trench across the city. So you know, it, it, like you say, it's very complex. Uh, it takes a lot of time, lots of permits, mm. but it also costs a lot of money. It does, but usually it's the time. You know, if because what happens is you run out of bandwidth, and then you realize you have to do something. Is my experience, and then you realize it's going to take a year to get your permits and the and to get the civil works done before you can light it up. And so this can be a way to get forward. Exactly. And then, you know, the other application for data center interconnect is more and more you have some larger web scale operators that uh, connect data centers uh, across regions or even across the country. And so you can use this in, for these long haul connections between data centers as well. And with PSE6, you can 
put uh, an 800 gig Ethernet service connection. So, you know, that's what the latest generation of routers are using as their port interfaces. And you can carry that over 2000 kilometers over a single wavelength. So you don't have to split the signal across multiple wavelengths or you don't have to regenerate every few hundreds of kilometers, uh, which adds a lot of power as you were talking about before. So the mm -hmm. ability to get better performance allows you to do 400 gig and 800 gig data center interconnect over very long distances in a very efficient mm -hmm. manner. So this would feed into, um, for a lot of clients, they're seeing Metro Ethernet pricing come down to more realistic levels. So where before, if you wanted to connect something across town or between cities, you know, bandwidth was expensive and hard to get, and now it's a lot easier. These types of devices are what's bringing those cost benefits to customers of telcos. That's right. So if you're uh, an internet exchange provider and you're leasing, you know, Ethernet connectivity between your data centers, well, you're you're getting it from a service provider that's probably using this type of technology to be able to drive down the cost per bit. Hmm. Well, we're out of time. I feel like we sort of just scratched the surface on uh, coherent optics. So if uh, folks are interested in finding out more, digging into this more, Serge, where should they go? Yeah, there's a lot more to learn. Come to our webpage at nokia.ly slash PSE-6S, and you can get a lot more information there. All right. That's nokia.ly slash PSE-6S. We'll have that link in the show notes that accompany this podcast. Uh, Serge, thanks for being here. Thanks for the interesting conversation. Uh, thank you to Nokia for being a sponsor. Sponsorships uh, make it possible for the Packet Pushers to do what we do. And as always, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, you can find many more fine free technical podcasts and our community blog and videos all at PacketPushers.net. Follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>